0: Visit roberthalf.com today. Champions League draw round of 16 is done. Some tasty matchups. We have Chelsea against Atletico Madrid, Leipzig, Liverpool, Barcelona against PSG. My God, some great games. We have Jimmy Conrad to break down each one as we look ahead to the knockout stage in the Champions League. Que begins right now. champions league round of 16 draw some great games to look ahead to to discuss and of course i needed the one the only the tuxedo the american james bond jimmy (laughs) conrad jimmy what's up buddy
1: dude i am tired it is early but it's a big day it's a big event i couldn't miss it and of course i had to get dressed up for it so i'm excited
0: I'm excited to have you here. And yes, Jimmy is a trooper right now, everybody, because I'm on the East Coast. Jimmy's on the West Coast. So he's been I don't think he left. I think he's just like you slept in your tux. You've bugged your whole family. Like now, finally, you can discuss them. Right. That's basically what it's
1: been. That's it. That's it. I'm here. I'm ready for this. Uh, This is always one of my favorite days of the year, the Champions League draw, because there's so much to dissect. And then we have to wait for two months before the games actually happen.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, let's get right to it, everybody. The round of 16 draw uh, happened on Monday and we will break it all down. And let's begin uh, with obviously the big one. The, if, if you had like proverbial like sort of little stars around the billboard, this would be it, uh, I feel Barcelona against PSG, uh, a huge matchup. Um, obviously, as we're talking last night, Jimmy, uh, in the Leon PSG game, uh, Neymar got injured. Uh, we don't know how severe that is. But regardless of that, it's, it's a huge matchup between two giants of the game. How do you see this one? A huge game. Uh,
1: it's going to be hard to go against PSG at this point, given their track record, let's say, in recent uh, Champions League seasons, including getting to the final last year. Barcelona see, still seem to be lacking in identity. But one of the tricky parts about predicting what's going to happen about a game in two months is that there's a transfer window in between that time. I don't think Barcelona is going to make too many moves. I think for them, it's more about continuing to find this identity, maybe get Ansu Fati back and get some people healthy. that could really make a big difference in this one. I could see Barcelona do it. I could see Messi putting the team on his back. And as long as they can be stout defensively, then they have an amazing chance to make that happen. It's just, I haven't seen that version of Barcelona yet. Maybe in, in spots, maybe 30 minutes here, a half there, but not thoroughly for 90 minutes. Maybe there was that one game, one game that I thought they were very good was in Turin against Juventus on match day two in the Champions League where they beat uh, Juve 2-0. Cristiano Ronaldo wasn't playing that game. It does make a difference, obviously, when Cristiano plays. The best to ever do it in the Champions League. I'd lean towards PSG, but I would be a little bit nervous from their perspective about Neymar's injury and, of course, their domestic form. They, they haven't been good. They've dropped points. They did it again this past weekend. Thomas Tuchel could be on his way out. So if a coaching change comes in, I don't know, man. Who's coming in? Allegri, Pochettino? I mean, there's so many question marks around both of these teams. But I think Barcelona will probably trudge along with Ronald Koeman in charge. And if Messi can do his thing, you never know. But, but like pound for pound, I think PSG is a little bit better right now.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I will also go with PSG this one. Listen, I think it's important to remember that neither team is doing particularly well, uh, especially domestically. Obviously, Barcelona got that win against Levante. PSG lost to Lyon as we speak, but there's still a long way to go before February. But they they haven't done anything this season to make me think, oh, wow, you're going to either win the league or win the Champions League, to be honest. Um, So I'm echoing everything that you're saying here. Uh, The big question mark, of course, is Neymar Jr., which is just such a shame if it doesn't happen. I mean, according to Le Parisien, uh, there is no fracture to his ankle, but obviously there's more tests to be done uh, regarding the severity of, of the injury, whether there's any ligament damage or whatever. Hopefully, it's just one of those situations where he recuperates after a month or something like that. But it's just such a shame because... I feel for him, uh, you know, because this has just been a continuous uh, situation with him. But like you said, Neymar or not, right? This is such a strong PSG side. And I think that they'll take, hopefully for their sake, for Thomas to sake, an advantage over this huge winter break and just, you know, sort of recuperate and try and figure it out. But again, Barcelona can do the same thing, obviously. But at least I see more of a a will with PSG or at least an yeah. idea of who they want to be. Right. Or Barcelona, I don't really see that on the Kuman. They still haven't figured it out. Uh, and I don't care at this point, you know, uh, you, all, all the arguments, obviously, for the great Lionel Messi. But it's clear that they need more. And I'm going with PSG in this one.
1: Yeah, uh, my, my early prediction is that as well with the, with Neymar, nakel injuries in particular, I remember when I was playing sometimes you'd prefer to have a break of the ankle it's almost a little bit easier to identify easier to know how to handle it when you have that weird ligament damage or that long-term sprain sometimes that's harder to come back from so We'll see. I I wish him the best. Obviously, he's going to get the best treatment in the world and he'll get back. uh, Getting far in the Champions League, there's so much money at stake. And so obviously, and pride. PSG's been wanting to to win that for for many years.
0: Yeah, because God knows they got the money. So they just need that pride. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, as you listen, everybody, obviously more Neymar news will come. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about Man City against Mönchengladbach. Uh, I'm looking at this game, Jimmy, and it's like, I think from an aesthetic perspective, it's going to be kind of pretty to watch, I think. Uh, both teams play really nice stuff, one under Marco Rose, the other one after uh, under Pep Guardiola. Uh, w- what do you see here? Uh,
1: what I think about when I think about Manchester City in the Champions League knockout rounds is Pep Guardiola overthinking what he has at his disposal. They haven't really been the same. I do think they missed David Silva. Yes, he might have been getting a little long in the tooth, but... It took a little pressure off of Kevin De Bruyne to be the main guy driving their attack. I don't think Riyad Mahrez has really stepped up in the same type of way. They paid, they paid a lot of money for that guy. And yes, he'll score a few here and there, but to like take a game over, you know, and, and really help out when they're struggling to score, uh, is is which has been a problem for them for whatever reason. I think they need a new number nine, you know. Gabriel Jesus, I do like his game. I just think maybe. He's not the right guy for this particular system at this particular moment. Sergio Aguero just needs to get healthy. Obviously, he makes a big difference when he's in the team. But they could really use, I mean, this is just an example, like a Harry Kane. You know, somebody who's a, a mobile uh, number nine that can kind of run the channels and, and hold the ball up in maybe a bit of a different way. I mean, they got Ferran Torres starting there sometimes in the Champions League. Why? I mean, Ferran Torres is like five foot nothing, you know. It's, it's, I i get under you know trying to create numerical advantages in midfield but you also they could use a different maybe type of dynamic of having like a proper number nine to hold the ball up and and play from there. Right now in some ways they feel pretty predictable. Now Borussia Munch and Gladbach okay domestically like shocked the world in the first five match days or four match days and then dropped points and barely snuck in there at the end uh, to get into the knockout rounds so for the first time in their history. They're playing with house money. They got nothing to lose against a team that feels like they should be winning every single champions league game and champions league trophy. So it's going to be interesting. I could see Guardiola doing the same and, and Marco Rose, you know, figuring them out because they got the horses, dude. Taram, Stindl, uh Playa, uh, Briel and Bolo. I mean, those are just a few names that they got going forward. So this, is, this is a great tie actually. I mean, it might seem for the, maybe the layperson, the casual, they're like, ah, I don't really know much, but this is a, this is a fantastic matchup.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I would just say, uh, if history has if recent history has taught us anything, especially as we looked into the semifinals last season, premier league teams should really not, or fans of premier league teams should not get arrogant here. They should not think, oh, it's just a German team. Like, look what happened. It was only Man City from the quarterfinals beyond, and then no Premier League team in the uh, in the semi. So, like, don't take anybody for granted. As you said, Munching kind of shocked the world, uh, but now we've seen, you know, just what they can do. I mean, mm. honestly, they should have won their group. Uh, they just they really missed out some chances in some fixtures. I just think that, to me. This is about what you just said before, which is like, I feel like this past summer City should have gone for Raul Jimenez. They should have Mm -hmm. gone all out for him. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, he's 29, but he could have given you like some two years, three years and be that really key target player. But anyway, that's just an example of the of the reasoning that I'm saying that to to what you're saying, which is they need somebody more than just. uh, Gabriel Jesus and, and Sergio Aguero, just because Sergio Aguero is clearly not going to give you a whole season anymore. And when you're looking into the knockout stages and other domestic cup competitions, it's going to be a problem. I, regardless, uh, I see City winning this one, but just about, I think Mönchengladbach is a tough opponent, Alessandra player. I can't wait to see what he can do. Marcus Thuram, of course, uh, but it's going to be difficult. And as you said, it's going to be pretty to watch.
1: Yeah, one thing that I'll add that everybody should take into consideration, especially if you're going to William Hill to find some wagers, and I'm looking kind of at the overall stuff now. Man City's the second favorite, plus 350 to win at this point. Not terrible odds uh, and pretty good, all things considered, but they have to play through January. Yeah. When you look at the English teams, not only do they play through January, it's like a battle of attrition. They, they have so many games back-to-back that is hard and and, okay. Say they manage it and they get out and they, they have a good run that catches up to you at some point, whereas the Bundesliga teams, they take like a three week break they're smoking cigarettes, relaxing on the beach somewhere. Like they they uh, get to the, Haiti,
0: like they're, they're, just yeah,
1: they're getting some sun, you know, they're rolling up their shorts and getting that Cristiano Ronaldo tan so that the whole quad gets tanned and not, you know, just not just the bottom half because of the short. I mean, they're, they're, they're getting to to rest. And I think that's an advantage, honestly, for the Bundesliga teams and, I know we're going to get to Bayern Munich, who are the heavy favorites at the moment, but but I think Bunchen Gladbach will benefit from that as well, whereas City's just like, are, are we still standing? Is it February? You know, these yeah, other right, guys will be all right. nice and fresh. So it'll be interesting to see. And obviously, again, the transfer window comes into play. I don't really see City making too many moves. I think they got the team they're going to have. They just need to get everybody healthy.
0: Yeah, but that's a good point about Premier League teams in general. They, you know, As everybody else takes a, a bit of a rest, they just keep on trucking, and it's going to be tough, especially, you know, if more injuries happened, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, who did you have in that one then? I-, I had Man City. Who did you have?
1: Yeah, I'll go with Man City as well. I think Bruce you mentioned Gladbach probably got as far as they're going to go, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be really close. I think it's going to come to the second leg and Aguero is going to have to score some dramatic goal to get them through. And then I think at that point, City can relax whether, who, no matter who they play in the next round. I just think getting past this one will be good for them. Um, I, I just hope the Pep doesn't get out get in his own way. He has a tendency to do that at this at this particular point in the season.
0: Yeah, I agree, and I think it's just gonna be like a Johnstone stoppage time goal. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> what a man. Uh, Let's move on. Lazio against Bayern Munich. Lazio against Bayern Munich. Lazio returning to the knockout stage for the first time since 1999. Bayern Munich, the defending champion, of course. Uh, you know, obviously. I think I know what everybody's thinking on who's going to win this one but I I'm you know you never you never know what what do you say here Jimmy
1: <laughs> What I say is Lazio it's been nice to see you it's been nice <laughs> to know you Bayern Munich are not going to lose this game and one of the big reasons why is because they play against Robert Lewandowski day in and day out in training right, right? best number 9 in the world In comes another number nine, number 17 for Lazio, Chiro, the hero, Mobley, who can score goals for fun as well. But they're so used to playing against a player like that on a regular basis. Like, oh, yeah, we, we know this guy. We see him all the time. We know how to contain him. We know how to figure him out. And I think Bayern will have some kind of system set up. Their pressuring is very good about how to stack up Chiro, the hero in particular. My only concern, well, actually, it's actually a concern more for Lazio is that if they can maybe pair up. Somebody with immobile up top who can maybe stretch the defense a little bit because Byron likes to play a high line and they got somewhat slow center backs, that could be a good way to stretch the defense and allow Chiro to kind of pick up the ball in different areas and not feel like he's got Nicolas sule or Jerome Boateng kicking him in the backside every time he gets the ball. So if they can figure out a way to, to stretch the field and then all then create some width so they can whip some crosses in, maybe, maybe, maybe Lazio has a chance, maybe they can make something work, but I just Bayern's got them beat in so many different areas. Um, I, I just don't. I just don't see anybody slowing down the Bayern Munich freight train. Who are the heavy favorites at plus two seventy five to win it all. Well, again, though, sixteen teams left. I know Bayern won it last season, but plus two seventy five is decent value to to get on a, for me a heavy favorite.
0: Yeah, and I would get on it right now because I think Bayern obviously still trying to you know. Work towards you know Bundesliga domination. They're not top of the table as we speak. They've drawn three games, uh, they lost one. So there there is some hope, but yeah, uh, maybe not. Uh, Chiro Immobile will not be enough, and I also see Bayern Munich uh, taking this victory. All right, here's one for you: RB Leipzig against Liverpool. My God, I look at this and I just I honestly feel like both sides are going oh. God, really? <laughs> I just, I don't think either one will be happy with this draw. Uh, it's going to be a tough one. How do you see it?
1: Yeah, I, I feel somewhat similar to Man City, right? You have Liverpool who aren't at a hundred percent and they're going to be fighting and scrapping to survive. Make sure everybody's healthy coming through this boxing day and the beginning of the new year and the cup competitions and everything else they're going to participate in. For me, it comes down to health. If Liverpool have a pretty healthy squad, I could see him doing it, but Leipzig again coming off of that Bundesliga break where they get a couple weeks they have a manager who's very clever who's going to be licking his chops to prove that he belongs with the big boys he continues to do that and to prove that he can hang with Klopp. Uh, I thought they looked very good against Manchester United RB Leipzig I think they got some players that understand how to play and what I really like about Julian Nagelsmann's teams in particular it's a very young manager everybody he's like 34 years old they can adapt, they change formations in game very quickly and everybody knows their role. So, you know, whether they're going 4-3-3 three, three, or, you know, four-one-two-three or whatever it may be, the way that they shift and move and, and how they adapt to different opponents and also how they figure out, like solve problems in real time and, and try to overload different sides to win the ball back and then try to attack is very impressive. I, I, I have Angelino in, in my mind. He's an NYCFC player, yeah. former, and he's on loan from Man City, went to NYCFC, now he's here at RB Leipzig. He, he's like a like a crazy wing back he's scoring goals getting assists but he really should be playing way back you know and so the way that they unleash him to get forward uh, it is very dangerous and it allows them to attack in a different way so yeah I like Leipzig a lot in this one. I think it comes down to health if Leipzig is is everybody's healthy on their end and, and up for it like we saw against Manchester United on the last match day they're going to be tough to beat but uh, with Liverpool so much quality so much experience, I would need to see where they are. Physically and also mentally uh, before I could really give a hard one in this. I mean, pound for pound, look at the on on paper. Liverpool should beat them even without Virgil van Dijk, who we know will be out for sure. But you can't sleep on this RB Leipzig team, especially over two legs.
0: No, you cannot. You cannot at all. This is
1: a good matchup, man. It's
0: great. It's a good one. And to be honest with you, it's a... You know, you look offensively for Liverpool and obviously Mohamed Salah, Sadio Mane, Roberto Firmino, Diogo Jota. We don't know how long he'll be out for. It seems an extended period of time. But, you know, they have enough, I guess, if they stay fit, to your point. I'm excited to see what happens when actually both sets of fullbacks start going up and down uh, this pitch. I feel like that's going to be. Part of the intriguing matchup, you know, getting those crosses in, trying to be super forceful on the counter. It I've, there's a Dortmund narrative here, Jimmy, because obviously Jurgen Klopp, former Borussia Dortmund manager, but also, you know, Julian Nagelsmann is, is being talked about, possibly being, uh, you know, heading over to Borussia Dortmund, you know, there's other candidates, of course. But I don't know if that will be in the back of his head, if that, you know, you, you never know. You just never know. But regardless, I think when you look at it on paper and when what you anticipate on the pitch, it's going to be quite an interesting and quite an exciting matchup.
1: Yeah, I do. I really I really like it in a lot of different ways. And you got two German managers as well. You know, I think Jurgen Klopp is pretty familiar with the German way. They'll be well-prepared. I think both teams will be well-prepared. Again, it's just going to come down to <laughs> what version of oh, – who, who's on the field at this point for Liverpool? Yeah. Their experience will allow them to probably get a result at Anfield. They're very good at home. I know they lost to Atalanta on match day five in the Champions League. Very bit of a shock, but a lot of younger players playing at that time for Liverpool and, and uh, Jurgen Klopp. I peak Jurgen Klopp at that point. a peak anger of Jurgen Klopp uh him in the schedule and all that stuff so i just think they were a little unsettled at that point i'm hopeful they'll be in a better place come february and and this is a competition that they've had a lot of experience in as well they're not going to be easy to beat they got unlucky to lose at Atletico madrid last season and and this one again gonna this one's going to be tight too I, I really do believe it's going to be tight and we'll see which players step up and actually make the plays that make the big difference all right here it is
0: prediction time who do you have i'm going back
1: and forth in my mind right now playing ping pong um i'm gonna say i think leipzig could could hit them here over two legs there you go i just think with the break that and and liverpool are already a bit just decimated and leaning on younger players a lot this could be too big of a hurdle
0: yeah i'm with you i think leipzig's taking this one i just think that the the injuries are just too much had this been a fully fit liverpool no doubt But I just think the injury is too much. This is a game, a matchup where Virgil van Dijk will surely really be missed, regardless of everything that Fabinho has done, et cetera, et cetera. I got Leipzig as well. When we come back, uh, we'll talk about the remaining four matchups. Uh, Stay right here. Champions League draw, round of 16. Welcome back, everybody. We're going to just uh, steam through these remaining matches. Uh, Champions League round of 16. Uh, Jimmy, Chelsea, Atlético Madrid. Chelsea, Atlético Madrid. Frank Lampard against Diego Simeone. Joel Felix against uh, Christian Pulisic, if he's fit. Uh, <laughs> oh. It would be a great oh. matchup. How do you see this one? Uh,
1: I... I, I... I'm sad that that's attached to him now that every time we talk about Christian Pulisic, it's always like, if he's fit, if he's not hurt.
0: That's his new uh, name. I, I, hope, I hope
1: that doesn't, uh, yeah, it's like his new name. They should put that on the back of his shirt if he's, if he's fit. Uh, for Chelsea, they have to be pretty crushed that they drew Atletico Madrid. It's kind of a tale of two different teams. You have the high-flying Chelsea. You have the pragmatic and highly efficient uh, Atletico Madrid. You got two managers that see the game in a little bit of a different way. Atletico have been somewhat attack-minded throughout this competition uh, in, in Champions League. And I guess too, and domestically as, as well, they've been very good. I think defensively, they've been a lot better in La Liga than they have in the Champions League. Their goals to be had here for Chelsea, I think they can get at Atletico. I don't think they're the same as before. And, and given the types of goals that it give, I'm like, that's not the team that I, I, I really identify in this in this competition in particular with Atleti and Diego Simeone, Chelsea, I think they've found themselves in a good spot. I think they've identified their best. Formation, maybe not the players that play in that formation, but I think it's clear that they need a proper number nine for this to really work. They need Olivier Giroux or they need Tammy Abraham to really hang in between the two center backs, let Timo Werner come running in from the wing and really try to create those space to run at the back four as opposed to trying to do it all by himself by trying to run the channels. Let the number nine do that and then just come in and, and try to fill the gaps where you can. That yeah, might take some time away from Christian Pulisic, right? Because we all thought Werner would be the number nine and Pulisic would have more time. Of course, he's got to be fit, but they have other options. I mean, they got Kai Havertz, they got Zayac, they got hudson Adoy, who's been good in this when he gets his opportunity. And Giroud scoring four goals against Sevilla. Like what is even in one game, like what is even happening? You know, and they've been very stout defensively as well. So I like Chelsea because they can do it on both sides of the ball. I think they've figured out who they are and what they're about. I think that even though La Liga takes maybe a one week, 10 day break, I don't know if that's going to be enough. I think still think they have their own issues to work through. And Atleti, as much as I, I love Simeone and I love Joao Felix this particular season who's really elevated his game, I just think Chelsea over two... Le- Maybe one game, if it was a one-off, I would give the Atleti a, a better chance over 90 minutes. But over two legs, I just think that attacking prowess for Chelsea is going to be a little bit too much for Atleti to handle.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, once again, Chelsea uh, not handed a, an easy... Uh, round of 16 matchup and uh, they've had PSG, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, and now Atletico. That's the last four for them. Uh, I think what makes this different, uh, listen, even at the very beginning of the tournament, I said, watch out for Chelsea all the way through this one just because of what you said. Their squad is crazy good. And I I look at this game and I just see it's about matchups. It's just like, where does every player, you know, whoever they face in the other side, you know, how, how do they match up? And Chelsea just wins. Mm-hmm. Yes. Joao Felix. Yes. Lucho Suarez. Yes. Llorente. You know, but I just think like overall, it, there's just too, there are too many weapons. Yeah. Frank Lampard's side for a child for Atlético Madrid to just right. handle. And I think, uh, being the fact that it's a two legger, like you said, Chelsea will take care of business or at least minimize the danger in the first leg. And then they'll come back to Stanford bridge. And just uh go all out and you know they have a tremendous goalkeeper now in edward mendy a, a strong back four and like you said all those tools we didn't even talk about mason mount another players. like they, they just have too many weapons yeah. i think chelsea uh takes this one
1: yeah i'm with you if it led me i wouldn't be surprised but right. I just think that chelsea can 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 do it and should do it but again like we've talked about with the other premier league teams what, what version of them are we going to see moving forward? I mean, Jurgen Klopp just came out recently and said that Chelsea's are the favorites to win the league because of their depth. And I kind of want to use that. I want to use that. Yeah. Well, that's what he's doing. He's playing some 4d chess, like the rest, where the rest of us are playing checkers. But right. I would say that for that same exact reason, because of their depth, I think even, even if their number, some of their number one guys aren't starting, they have these backups that, that should be number one somewhere else. So Uh, yeah, I'm not too worried about their depth issues and maybe managing the schedule uh, as opposed to some other clubs in the Premier League.
0: Yeah, it's exactly why they did this, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I see Chelsea in this one. And just one last point, look what Atlético Madrid, you know, when they face Salzburg, Salzburg missed a lot of chances. Now replace Salzburg with Chelsea, they're not going to miss those chances. So Chelsea uh, take this one, uh, but it won't be by much. All right, let's move on. Uh, Let's talk about Sevilla. Uh, against Borussia Dortmund, um, interim manager, uh, uh, and in Tessica, you know, he he will take over, obviously, during this game. Uh, we, Sevilla finally in the knockout stage of the Champions League after being the darling of the Europa. Uh, I think from, again, from an entertaining perspective, this is a good one because they're both two teams that they don't shy away from a good matchup. How do you see it? Yeah,
1: so Dortmund, you know, fire their manager. I'm sure everybody's aware of it now. And if you're not, here you go. Lucien Favre has been, been fired. He was not a manager that has ever won a trophy. The guy's been managing forever, managed some big clubs, but had never won a trophy of any type of significance, which I always find interesting or found interesting that you'd want to hire somebody who's never actually gotten to the top of a mountain. But with Dortmund, obviously they're, they're you know, developing players is a big point point of pride. And I thought he did a pretty good job of bringing some people along. Gio Reyna in particular, Erling Holland now, you know, who's probably going to blossom no matter what, whoever was managing. But, you know, so far I've got them as far as I could. They want to make a change. Are they going to find their identity in two months? Do they already have an identity? It seems like the players, sometimes you look at a team, Luis and you're like those guys could probably coach themselves you know and I think with you got Mats Hummels out there you know he could probably coach the team he could be a player coach uh the old center back German international I I, it's tough this is tough Sevilla maybe don't have the same type of attacking weapons that Borussia Dortmund have but you these guys are so they won the Europa League you know they beat Inter Milan in a big final last year they they Every time we counted them out, they figured out a way to get through and get a result. Like, that's what I think about when I think of Sevilla. And because Dortmund are a little bit uneven and because Dortmund, after the break, usually struggle, right? Sometimes, or at least in my mind, I always think about the first half of the Bundesliga, like Borussia Dortmund's there. They're finally going to challenge Bayern Munich for the title. And then they come out of the break. They start the second half of the season. You're like, nah, Bayern's going to win it by 10 points, you know, And because they falter. They're not getting the results. And I feel like we were already starting to see that a little bit. With Dortmund that they're not getting those results which ultimately led to the firing of Favre so I don't know are they going to score goals yeah they will but but Sevilla can score goals as well and, and Sevilla know how to win games in multiple different ways ah god this is a tough one I I, I want to say Dortmund because I would love to see Erlen Holland play it against another big opponent throughout this competition and I think he can put a team on his back but there's something about Sevilla and Spanish teams in European competition you just they just they're, They just know how to they get through. They know how to survive these things.
0: Yeah, I'm going with Sevilla just because uh, Dortmund uh, Sevilla right now, uh, not on the pitch as much, but uh, I guess mentally, psychologically, Sevilla has what Dortmund needs right now, which is kind of like what their whole essence was about, right? From the mm-hmm. club years like that energy, like sort of like do or die. We don't care who you are. Atalanta ish sort of power. And, you know, Lucien Favre never really gave them that. And I feel that now that they're once again trying to figure it out uh, with Terzic, uh as interim, like it's just going to be too much yeah. against the Sevilla side that, you know, uh, yes, obviously they're mostly known in the Europa, but this is a, now an opportunity for them to really show what they can do. And they have, they also, like you said, they, they have their weapons. Uh, mm-hmm. I just, you know, Dortmund right now is trying to figure out what's going on, where Sevilla knows exactly what they want, especially in this tournament. So I'm going with Sevilla here, uh, which, you know, High-scoring game, but I, I think I'm going with Sevilla. Let's finish off, everybody, with... This is a good one. Atalanta against Real Madrid. Uh, by the way, Jimmy Conrad, I don't know if you know, but our friend Fabrizio Romano earlier today discussed about Papu Gomez, who will not be with Atalanta from January. He got into an argument with Gasparini um, at halftime during the Michelin game. And ever since then... He's basically said, listen, I'm done with you. Uh, I don't know how much that means in terms of uh, what happens in this game. I think a lot, but regardless, intriguing matchup to wrap up. How do you see it?
1: If Papa Gomez doesn't play for Atalanta, they got no chance. Plus, Real Madrid have winning this competition in their DNA. They have looked very good right now. Obviously, we're trying to predict what Real Madrid's going to look like in two months. I just think they're going to get a little bit, bit better. We've seen over the last few past few seasons that Madrid have struggled in the first three, four, five months. Everybody counts them out, and then somehow, some way, they figure it out. They go on to win the La Liga trophy, or they win the Champions League. Like, what is what is up with these guys? So I feel like we're kind of following the script for Real Madrid, especially under Zinedine Zidane. I think they're going to. They've already started to write the ship. I think they're going to get it figured out. This is Tony Cruz, Luka Modric, you know, the older guys, Sergio Ramos. This is really, for me, their last run out. I think a lot of those guys are going to be leaving next summer. Uh, I think Modric might even end up at Inter Milan. There was talk of that uh, previously. So he's just one example of, of now you need the younger guys to step up. But I think because this is more of like a last hurrah, I could see them putting together a good run. I think they're going to get past Atalanta, no problem.
0: Yeah, um, not much to say here, especially if Papu Gomez doesn't play. I mean, this is a tremendously uh, entertaining uh, team from Gasparini. We know obviously what they did all the way last season, but we've seen the cracks this year. We've mm-hmm. seen the cracks, mm-hmm. we've seen, you know, uh. that that Liverpool game uh, when they just completely overwhelm them. It's not like Real Madrid plays like Liverpool, but Real Madrid is, you know, talented enough to figure out this is how they play. Zidane will know exactly what to do. And when you take away their number one key architect, then that becomes a tougher mountain to climb. I am also going with Real Madrid here. We agreed on every single one, Jimmy Conrad, on every single one. Jimmy, before we say goodbye, uh, Jimmy's a busy man. He will come back later to talk Europa League and, and some of the action this week as well. Uh, anything else to add from this round of 16?
1: No, I'm excited. This is my favorite competition. It's right up there with the Copa Libertadores, which I love as well, which is the Champions League of South America. And I just fired up to see some of these matchups and to see who performs and who doesn't.
0: I love it. Jimmy Conrad, thank you so much, brother. Thanks, Elise. I want to thank Jimmy Conrad for joining me today. Don't forget that we have plenty more in Lasso, including our weekend recap and Fabrizio Romano with the latest transfer news. And of course, our Europa League draw analysis. Make sure that you follow us on Lasso on Twitter. Leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Have a great day and enjoy whatever game you're watching.